and welcome to the very first Soccer Not Football episode of 2021. All right. Uh, it's a new year, uh, new opportunities, uh, same old leagues going on, and we'll get started with the uh, Bundesliga. Isn't that right, uh, Daniel? Yeah, a lot of soccer from around Europe, a lot of Americans playing, and a lot of Americans playing well. So it's definitely a good start to 2021, hopefully a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have, uh, especially of uh, Americans playing well, we have Gio Reyna, um, who starred in a 3-1 win against RB Leipzig, um, where Tyle Adams also plays as well. Yeah, uh, Dortmund and Leipzig, the top of the table clash in the Bundesliga. Uh, to be honest, the first half was pretty boring, pretty lackluster. It was a it was a c- competitive game in the midfield, but neither team could really break each other down. In the second half, Dortmund made a couple changes, started playing a little faster, and were able to find uh, three goals before Leipzig got a late consolation goal. Um, Reyna looked – he wasn't a part of any of the goals. He didn't have a goal or assist, but he still looked like he was good in possession out there. Uh good on the turns, good on holding off his defender. He's maybe not the prototypical winger who's running down the field and, and skilling guys and, and getting in behind, but he's really good at coming back to the ball and picking it up and finding his teammates. And at only 18 years old, you that's something that you can't really teach. So that's a, that's a really good sign for him. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely a um, encouraging sign for Dorman, who have been going through a tough, um, tough spell of it lately. Um, so it's a nice bounce back win. Uh, hopefully, something to just kick off their the rest of the season for them. Yeah, they got they got Holland back uh, a game before this, and he's completely changed the team dynamic. Uh, they're a hundred percent a different team with him than without him. Uh, Sancho finally. He scored in his last game, but he scored and assisted in this game. So if he can regain some form, maybe they can they can make a challenge for the title. Mm-hmm. And on the the other side of this game, Tyler Adams, he was he was played in a couple of different positions, played uh, defensive winger, and then he was pushed back into a back three for a little bit. And then like the last half hour, he was playing central mid by himself. So it's nice to see his versatility. I still think his best spot is in that central midfield spot where he can, he can break up uh, passes on the counterattack and just be a defensive destroyer. But it's encouraging that his coach trusts him to play in different positions and that he, he can do it effectively. Yeah. And we see him play in different positions. I know uh, Bo Halter has, um, he has described him as the type of Swiss Army knife. You know, like first off, he can he can play defense, he can play midfield, he can be in attack. Um, so really um, depends on whether the game like uh, really necessit uh, really requires it. Like he can, they can put him in any position, which is obviously a plus. But it's also a plus for him to have something that he can lock down. And that hit that that is like his number one. And I agree with you. I think the central midfield might be that. Yeah, looking at a couple other Bundesliga results, there were a couple shocks at the top of the table and at the bottom of the table. 
we'll start up top with uh, Mucin Goblock coming back from 2-0 down against Bayern Munich and taking the 3-2 win. Uh, maybe Bayern aren't as indestructible as we once thought they were. Oh, they're definitely not. If we didn't think they were indestructible then, they definitely aren't indestructible now because right after that game, um, they were playing in the German Cup in the second round against um, a second has to be a um i want to say they're they're in the third division at least the third division and they lost um in penalties um to host the kind um yeah they gave up a last minute equalizer um and then they lost six five to penalties so definitely shows that any team can can have a bad day in the office um but I see Bayern um, to be the type of team to bounce back from it. Um, we've seen them bounce back from bad losses like that before. The last time they had a bad uh, stretch, um, they went on to go on a massive winning streak, massive um, trophy run. Um, so this might be a bumper. Uh, this is most likely going to be a bumper run. Um, but you never know, it might be a sign of uh, a slip to another more slips to come. I think I saw a stat where it said like eight or nine times this year in the Bundesliga, they've given up the first goal. So they've started from losing positions and they've managed to come back in all, but one of those games and win they've mm-hmm. won all of those and tied one, but you can't keep digging holes for yourself like that. Cause eventually it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. And yeah, I, I still think Byron are favorites, but they certainly have been a lot shakier these last three, four months than, than they were last season. Mm-hmm. And um, I will add just a quick correction. Um, Jose Connor in the second Bundesliga. Um, and, but you're right. Um, they they haven't been having these easy wins um, that they were used to last year. Um, but, you know, win is a win. And the fact that they're still able to get past these, um, you know, um, definitely shows that, that that core is still there and they still know how to get out of those tough spells. Um, but um, definitely, but you could definitely see a difference between this season and last season. Going from a team who's used to winning to a team who hasn't won in almost a year, Schalke with a shock four nil win over Hoffenheim, uh, a 19 year old American, Matthew Hoppy scored a hat trick. Um, a lot of people, didn't really have on on his radar on their radars before this game. He was kind of a, a lesser known prospect, but he he shows up in his sixth Bundesliga game and scores a hattie. Yeah, this was a win that um, Shaka desperately needed just to kickstart their season, or you know, just to not lose, not to have a winless season. Um, and yeah. Um, he uh, Matthew Hoppy, um, if he probably cemented a opportunity to get a um, cup call up for a Brohalter with that performance alone, um, at, le- at the very least, definitely warranted some attention. Um, but um, I, I like literally he came out of nowhere um, to me. Um, he wasn't on my radar. 
Um, so that just means uh, one other person to just one other person to um, put on the list because you know um, only his sixth bonus in the game and he had a breakout performance like that. We'll see how the next games go for him. He partly got an opportunity just because Schalke has been so bad this year. They're they're searching for answers for anyone. So I I had known he known he was in their uh, their youth setup, their youth teams, but he wasn't any sort of big prospect or nothing like that. And he's only now the third American to score a hat trick in a top five league, joining uh, Clint Dempsey and Christian Pulisic. So he's in some pretty elite company for uh, for U.S. attackers. Yeah, and he saved uh, Schalke from equaling um, the league record of 31 games without a win. That's a pretty damn long time um, without a win. That's like Browns territory or Warriors 2019, um, 2020 territory. Yeah, it's almost harder to lose 31 games in a row than it is to win 31 games in a row. Like, I'm not really sure. Which one's harder? Winning's definitely harder, but still, losing 31 games in a row, you have to be really bad. And speaking of winning, um, let's go to League One in France. Um, and we're going to check in on a coach who didn't really have uh, a lot of – he had a lot of winning, but not winning trophies, you know, during his time with a, with a certain um, London club. And um, he got kicked out of that club. You know, he was on sabbatical for a little bit. Uh, but then the uh, French champions uh, came calling. And um, only three games in, 11 days in, he have finally has a uh, championship. Uh, uh, I'm guessing you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, they won 3-0 in the... Trophée des Champions versus uh, Marseille. Um, uh, people are making a big deal that he he won a trophy already in his first eleven days. To be honest, I don't think that's really too much, especially because it's it's a cup uh, cup tournament that yeah his previous the previous manager had got them to this point. So it's not like he really had his imprint. On this title, I think he just kind of was the man in charge the day that they won. If he can turn around and win the league, then I would consider that to be his first title because he's come in halfway through and it's still up in the air if they're going to win or not. But this, this is just a one-off game and a final. You know, maybe it's a good sign of good things to come. But I, I take it with less than a grain of salt. I, I don't really find this that. Uh, important or that big of an accomplishment for him. I, I understand, but still, it's still a cup final. It's between um, the winners of League One and the winners of the um, French Cup. So it's kind of like the French Super Cup in a way. And this is against their biggest rivals um, in Marseille. And they had a testy type of relationship recently um, uh, in the previous games. Um, the last one ended in a massive brawl. Um, and we also saw the return of Neymar in that game. Uh, he happened to score um, as well, scored a, scored a, a penalty. Um, so it's encouraging um, 
for uh, post to get his uh, top performers back uh, from injury um, and gain a nice win and like gain a trophy just has to be a confidence boost to get them through the rest of the season. I think Neymar is kind of one of those players that takes a lot of flack because he, he dives on the ground and he's always trying his, his skills and his antics out there, but he's a, he's a really good player. Um, he, he hasn't always shown up in the biggest of moments, but he's definitely a top five player in the world right now, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to say he, he has had his moments where um, he would engineer a win or just like a virtual show performance, but um, those have come few and far between um, recently. Uh, just due to the injuries, but the, um, this is still a team that made it to the Champions League final, and they're still in contention um, for a treble um, they, that they could have achieved last year as well. Um, so, I I always liked having always liked Poach. Um, I thought he was doing good things at Tottenham, um, and this was a and he happened to take them to take Tottenham to the Champions League final. Um, I just felt like there was just a lack of resources or just something in Tottenham's identity that just stopped them, stopped them from going over the hump. So, you know, with a team with better players, uh, better resources, uh, like a mentality of we have to win the Champions League, you know. Uh, and he was a foreign player as well. Um, so, I can I can see this being a pretty successful pairing. So moving on um, to Spain in La Liga, we have Atletico Madrid still on top and looking like they might run away with it. Um, there are two games; they have two games in hand uh, behind most of. All the other teams who have played 17 and 18, they only played 16, and there are only four points above Real Madrid at the moment. Um, so they definitely have an opportunity to expand on that, um, on that, on that gap. I think we touched on, on this a little bit in our last episode, but Real is struggling right now, and Atletico just keep churning out those those one nil two two one wins and I don't really see that train stopping anytime soon. I think Simeone's got them playing really well. They've uh, conceded the least amount of goals in Europe's top five leagues. I think they've only conceded five goals and whatever you just said, 16 games. That's a pretty good record right there. And they're scoring goals. They have a couple exciting attacking players going forward. And I think, now it's it's really theirs to lose. I said that before, but if they if they can't win it this year, then there's really no year that they're ever going to win it. Because Real struggling, Barca is still struggling. They uh, Barca may have turned their form around a little bit. Mm-hmm. They uh, Messi finally had a a really good performance, two goals. Uh, Griezmann scored two goals as well. But there are there are a lot of points back right now and if you if you're Atletico and you just win your games no team can catch you that's got to be their mentality right now yeah they did slip a um 
a couple days ago with their Copa del Rey loss against to um, UE um, Cornella, which is, they are in the third tier of Spanish football. Um, so definitely at this point, lots to take. Um, but like you said, um, that's been their mentality. Uh, keep winning games or you keep grinding out games. Um, 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 y'all Felix, they got y'all Felix. They got Suarez in there. Um, they got some heavy hitters on the team um, who easily buy in into Simeone's system. And um, if yeah, as long as they can pull out these wins, um, I can see them. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they won't be able to relinquish that gap um, too too easily. And it's trouble for uh, Real as well because they haven't seen to like kick it. It's been a weird season for them. It's been a struggling season for them, and they're still struggling. They just lost um, to. Um, they just got kicked out of the Copa del Rey to Atletico uh, Bilbao. I think Atletic Club, I believe. Um, so just another disappointment um, for Sedan and uh, the team. Um, one of their players, Luka Jovic, who they bought for um, $73 million. They just loaned him back to his uh, old team, um, Hazard, who they bought a boatload of money for, um, is still struggling to find form. Um, there's still the situation with Sergio Ramos' contract. It's a lot of uncertainty right now. I think Real are just missing that one star attacking player on their team. They have good attacking players. They have a, they have a couple of good attacking players who are out of form right now. Um, I think Benzema is probably their their best attacking threat right now, and he's not really the the most reliable. He's not going to be able to go out and and win you a game by himself. He's going to need help. He's going to need service. They don't have that that player who's you know top five, top ten player in the world, and that's what Real have have come to expect. And I think that's why you see them struggling a little bit this year because. They've always been able to rely on Ronaldo or uh, their midfield trio of Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro. But this year, those guys have kind of taken, I don't want to say a step back, but you can't expect those guys to be great all the time for for five, six years. And yeah, I just, I see them struggling the rest of the year. I don't know. Usually uh, they they find a way to figure it out, but I don't think this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how you said like, Oh, you can't keep the same consistency consistency for five, six years. Um, I think it's, they're just about reaching their peaks, uh, reaching the, they're like, they're hitting their peaks and this is the start of the, the, the decline. And I think we're seeing that with uh, Barca as well. You know, a lot of the players, uh, most of the players on their, you know, um, they've been there for like five years plus, um, even more. And um, you start to get comfortable. And I think that was part of the reason why Barca was having so many struggles in the past couple of years. Um, they needed to adapt and um, adapt well, and they weren't able to to do that. Um, and I think 
uh, those issues will continue. Um, I do. They do have some new blood um, with Fanti and Rodri and uh, De Jong, um, but and uh, Dembele. But they all. But they still need to integrate, and I think that's what's been the biggest, the hardest part. Um, they're still reliant on Messi, who is going to be thirty-three soon, about thirty-three or past thirty-three. And um, they need to start adapting, or else uh, they, or else the struggles will continue. Yeah, moving on to uh, Syria, we'll, uh, we'll talk about Juventus three, Sassuolo one. Um, I was really excited to see this game to see our our guy Weston McKinney out there. He. Uh, he did a really nice skill move out there in like the the 20th minute. Did a double sombrero, did a back heel pass to his teammate that got me out my seat, yelling at the TV. But apparently he got injured doing that move and he had to come off. Only uh, only 20 minutes into the game, which was not a welcome sight. He was able to jog off the field and then after the game they said it wasn't too serious. It was more of a precautionary thing that he had to come out, but. Anytime a player gets injured, it's it's never a good sign. Um, luckily, yeah, yes, Luckily's not too serious. He might be able to play for the game against Inter Milan, but I don't see him. Uh, they might just save him or just like try to reserve his energy, like the like Chelsea used to with Pulisic. Um, but yeah, um, you know, still a bright spot in Juventus this season. Um, Definitely one who has been over, who has been performing exceptionally well. Um, he recently scored a goal at the San Siro, um, and uh, he's worked his way as a major contributor uh, to the team. Yeah, he's definitely implanted himself into that midfield three. He uh, he's overtaken some. Uh, what am I looking for? Players? <laughs> For midfielders. Okay, like, I'm going to wait. Yeah, he's overtaken some uh, veteran guys in there, and he's, mm. he uh, has really proven himself to be a really good player. Um, he's also versatile like Tyler Adams is he's playing out on the right a little bit. Um, sometimes he's getting forward and attacking goal, but he can also drop back and help out the defense. Um, every, every touch he had in this game was, was like right on point. It was either a great defensive touch to get the ball out of danger, or it was just a good touch forward to his teammate, or it was able, he was able to control the ball and, and find someone else. Um, yeah. This performance, I thought this was going to be like, a nine out of 10 performance from McKinney. Unfortunately, he had to come off, but I think it's just a sign of good things to come. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely promising. And the fact that he's contributing the title race as well, um, as he scored um, a goal in um, uh, the game against uh, Milan, who are still the league leaders. Um is definitely he's playing he's showing up in the big games as well in the big games and small games too he's going he's been a consistent performer 
Yep. Speaking about Milan, after that 3-1 loss to Juve in the middle of the week, they were able to bounce back, beating Torino 2-0. Ibra came off the bench for a substitute appearance, his first game back in a while. He he didn't really have too much to do. He looked a little slow, but that's what you would expect for someone coming back from a six-week injury. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah to, uh, Milan are still on top, um, and it's always good to have slot time back, but uh, they were able to hold it down while he was gone, uh, aside from the loss against uh, Juve. Um, they still hold uh, the the Serie A by at least um, by three points. Um, Inter Milan will play Juventus. Um, so another uh, title matchup to watch out for as well. Um, so, yeah, pretty exciting um, to come. And yeah, so, moving, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so moving on to um, the Premier League, um, we had some we had some games going on during the week. Um, pretty much some really gritty games um, between the title contenders and just some of the mid-table, lower lead team, um, lower uh, teams fighting for relegation. And those are like the type of games that uh, are just, uh, are like the test of like who could, you know, be a champion, who could be a Premier League champion. Because if you get past those tough games at Stoke or uh, West Brom or at Brighton, um, then that it would definitely be a boost um, to uh, your momentum and like oh I can beat any team, especially the big ones. And that's all this. It's not just about being the big teams. You gotta beat the little teams as well, which is something that Tottenham didn't do um, yesterday <laughs> um, against Fulham. They had the lead, and then they conceded um, 74 minutes in. Uh, but we did have the American who did play uh, at Tony Robinson for Fulham. He played all 90 minutes. Um, he looked he looked pretty solid. Um, he had he looked pretty decent. Um, I can't say too much, um, but the fact he, that he was able to hold his ground against you know Harry Kane and uh, Ming Song. And um, and all the other Tottenham uh, attackers um, was is definitely promising. So, yeah, Robinson is definitely more of that modern fullback mold. He's really good going forward, whipping and crosses, combining with his wingers. Um, still needs to work on his one to one defending. Uh, he's still a little shaky at times, but what Fulham's asking him to do, he's doing really well, and he's earning starts pretty much pretty much every week. So it's no surprise that they're keeping him in there. Yeah. And then also um, Man City got past a uh, tough Brighton team who threatened to challenge for, who threatened to force for uh, Eagle Eyes the whole time. Um, they're pretty much, uh, they're right back in the top race. Uh, it's alive and well for them. Um, they're a couple, they have a couple games in hand as well. Um Wolves and Everton. Everton got the dub. Um, so they're again they're right in the tower race as well. And um 
guess who finally got a win? Sheffield United was able to pull off uh, the win, and you know we could definitely see them in the title race like right now. Like yeah, they're yeah. If they went out. They uh, they might not, they might make Europa League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely Europa League. Um, which is actually a better result than they did last year. So, um, yeah, it's hard for a team like Sheffield to have a start they have, which was the worst start in Premier League history. Um, but um, this was a team that overperformed and. Um, you know, they were able to beat teams like Chelsea and um, Tottenham. And, you know, you can't count them out, you know. And their losses were pretty close, you know. It was only, like, uh, one goal by one goal or, like, just a tie or so. Um, you could definitely see them. It would definitely be a challenge for them to fight back uh, from the hole they got themselves into. But it's not totally out of the realm. I'm not going to count them out just yet. Yeah. And Manchester United find themselves in some unfamiliar territory as they're now leading the league in January for the first time since Sir Alex Ferguson was there. They were able to squeak out uh, a 1-0 win versus Burnley. Paul Pogba had a, a nice nice goal from outside the box, and it, it sets them up well for this weekend's matchup against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, this looks like the... Uh, Manchester United team that everyone um, envisioned them to be like two, three years ago. When Pogba came in, there was all this hype like, oh, he's going to take it back to the top. And I think it's really fitting that Pogba scored the goal that took United um, to to first place. Um, and they really done well to rebound from some of their bad losses. Um, the one against Tottenham, um, uh, to point out, and um, they are they're riding the dick of it. I never would have imagined it, um, but they still have um, attackers like um, Cavani, who has definitely given them boosts, and of course, uh, Marcus Rashford. Um, sorry, Marcus Rashford. Um, yeah, I think that might be more the credit of the players than. Ole, um, but I digress. But um, yeah, uh, props to United for um, getting on top, and we'll see. Well, this is their, this is gonna be the, their biggest test all season. If they can get past the league uh, leaders, um, Liverpool, who have not lost a game at home since Klopp took over, then. That will cement their title challenge. Like they are, they're going to be for real. Now coming over to our side of the pond, coming back to the United States of America, we have uh, some January camps for the United States men's national team. Uh, Greg Berhalter called in a a kind of small side, twelve players, but that's because they're going to join up with uh, a bunch of U twenty three guys. Um, this is like a pseudo Olympic qualifying roster slash just big giant MLS January, uh, roster since the season's over, they just come together and find some cohesion. Um, 
the U23s are hoping to find some kind of group before they start uh, Olympic qualifying in March. Uh, most of the top guys probably won't be there. Your Pulisic's, Adams, McKinney's, because uh, teams aren't required to release them for, for non-sanctioned FIFA events, and the Olympics aren't technically FIFA events. So we'll have to find our, our secondary guys, and that's kind of what the, the U23 roster is. But why don't you go ahead and uh, read who Berhalter called into the, to the men's national team, the 12 players who made it. Yeah, so we have Sean Johnson and Matt Turner who are the make up the goalkeepers. Uh, Sean Johnson has had some um, minutes with the U.S. Uh, national team. Um, but definitely behind um, Stefan and um, Hamid and um, Guzman. Um, and then we also have uh, Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman along with Tristan Blackman. Um, two mainstays um, in the Gold Cup runs. Um, we also have Kellen Acosta, who has found his way back uh, from the exile he was facing after uh, 2017. Um, Sebastian Legette, um, who are our top scorer from last year. Uh, Christian Roldan, um, who played in the MLS Cup. Um, and also um, a a, US, a veteran as well. We have Ariola and Morris and um, Mueller. And we also have um, Josie Altidore. I did not expect to see him come back. Yeah, I think he might be there just to kind of be that that uh, transition guy. Um, he didn't have the greatest of years this year with Toronto. He struggled with his health the last couple of years. Um, I think he partly gets the call because Jossie Zardes isn't there. I heard that he picked up uh, a small injury after the MLS Cup final or else he would have been in this roster. He, uh, he started in the U.S. his last competitive game against Canada. So I, I was kind of expecting him in this roster, but it makes sense that he's not. Uh, I think this might be Josie Altidore's last chance to, to, to kind of prove himself before this, this World Cup qualifying cycle. He, he hasn't really been healthy in two, now going on three years. There's a lot of younger guys in the pool who are who are doing things in Europe, who are doing things better than him in MLS, and might overtake him. And yeah, he he has a lot of experience. He has a lot of appearances for us, but you can't really trust him to be healthy. Um, you can't expect him to go out there and play 90 minutes. And in this World Cup qualifying cycle, there's going to be three games in a window, and if he gets hurt in that first game and you're down a player, it's going to be, it's going to be harder to, to rotate the squad. So he's going to have to somehow prove to Burhalter that he can be healthy or this might be his swan song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking it might be, um, you know, and what better, and what better way to um, finish international career at the Olympics if they do make it and if he does get selected you know um, I would like to see him get selected we have a relatively youthful squad we could use some experience and you know this man has been with the team for thir- like uh, 13 years he um, was our he was the 
pretty much the main guy at the 2010 World Cup. Um, he was uh, 2010 World Cup, the 2014 World Cup. Um, and um, he he was a part of that 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 era um, where things might be things may look like we were we were looking up at that time. You know, we had some positive momentum going with Klingsman. And um, he was definitely part of that era. And um, I think realistically, his US, um, his, uh, his men's national team career took a massive hit um, with the uh, Trinidad and Tobago loss. Um, he did show up for the Gold Cup um, 2019, uh, but he was um, starting, but he was on the bench most of the time behind Sardes. He did get, he did start in the final against Mexico. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that uh, Borohato hasn't used him that often uh, since he's been charged, um, it just shows like, you know, we have better players um, at his position and, um, you know, and part of it is due to Altidore's health as well. And, um, you know, I think this might be his last stand, um, but he has had a hell of a career, um, 115 caps, 42 goals, um, definitely in the top five for, for each. So, um, he, is a U.S. legend in my in my eyes. We don't have that many legends, but you know, he can definitely make a. You can definitely make the case for him being a legend. Yeah, I still remember him scoring that that goal in the Confederations Cup against Spain, and I thought that was going to be the turning point for U.S. soccer. They beat Spain two nothing in the. Confed Cup semifinal. They were up 2-0 on Brazil, and of course they blew that. But yeah, Josie's had a storied career, but I I think there are players better than him, and he's kind of just called in to kind of show the young guys how it's done. Um, I know, like, on Twitter, he's a big supporter of all the guys abroad, and he's he's a real big cheerleader of that. Um, he's a, So he's a great teammate, a good locker room presence, but I think his, his contributions on the field, they're those days are behind him. His best days are behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking forward to the January camp. Um, looking forward to the, to the Liverpool game. Who do you think is going to take it? I think I'm going to go boring. I think it's going to be a draw, but that's just me. I think it's going to be a one, one draw. Mm-hmm. I think I'll say Mane and Bruno score. Bruno scores the late penalty, and then Klopp gets a red card because he uh, he yells at the ref. That's that's going to be my prediction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see United being built to break Liverpool's record. It will be if they do, then they'll have my respect. But I just don't see it happening. Um, the best I can give them is a drop as well, a one-one drop. Um, Bruno gets a penalty, and then um, Salah scores a wonder goal. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it. But um, we'll keep you posted about uh, that game and 
all the games, but we wanted to finish up with one game we forgot. So we had the FA Cup um, that previous week. And um, Tottenham played against um, Marnie, who are in the fifth division. I believe they're in the the 8th division, yeah. They're they're in the 8th tier of English soccer. Yeah. So that is the biggest gap between two English teams ever. And um, definitely got a lot of uh, attention. They played at Marnie's uh, home uh, ground, which is pretty much like in the middle of a neighborhood, Um, in a residential neighborhood. You kick the ball out, um, neighbors would come and throw the ball back. and, but um, Tottenham really showed them a lot of respect. You know, they played a, full, a, a strong team. Um, and um, it was really more of a um, – it definitely gave uh, that team a lot of publicity. You know, we there's not – there's not going to be a future Messi in that team. Um, you got – they probably work as um, teachers or – um, construction workers or just like probably regular guys that you never would know of, probably like us. So, <laughs> yeah, when you talk about the magic of the cup, I think this is more of what it's speaking to. It's, it's the, uh, it's the beautiful game. It's against, you know, a residential lower league semi pro team against Tottenham Hotspur, who are the big billion dollar London club. Uh, there was no way that team was ever going to beat Tottenham. Uh, just you just watch that game and the first five minutes you can see the talent gap you can see how much faster and better technical the Tottenham players are but yeah props to them for for taking it seriously but also for you know raising money for marine selling out virtually that that's a big help for a team like that you know they I think it was something like three hundred thousand dollars in gate revenue which is which is a ton of money for for a, a semi-professional team. So that's, yeah. that's really what soccer's about. That's, that's what the cup's about. It's not about, you know, the big sides playing each other. It's about everybody getting involved and everybody getting their fair shot. Yeah. And they almost took their first shot. They hit the crossbar on when it was zero, zero. Um, so we really could have seen some magic then. Um, unfortunately it didn't happen, but uh, credit to Tottenham as well. Um, for buying, like, the, mind you, the tickets were all virtual because, you know, they're still in the pandemic. Um, and teams like that, they've been, you know, really hit hard. Um, so um, props to them for um, helping out um, during these 30 so times. So um, thank you for uh, listening as per usual. But before we we'll be go, soon we forgot to, to let you know soccer that we football. are on uh, the Twitter Find now. Out. We are on the Instagram. Um, so follow us on Soccer Not Football Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check us out. Um, follow us. Show some support. We love y'all. Take care. Catch you guys next time.